1: says Arsenal has found its level quite like a 3-0 away win in the Europa League. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Look, on the one hand, we want to be out of the Europa League. On the other hand, um, maybe it's good for us. Maybe this is our level. I don't know. We'll discuss that. We will certainly be discussing the Fighting Bukaya Sakas, which is what this club is going to be known as from now on. On Sunday, Saka, Aubameyang, Pepe, or we riot. What a night for the young man. We'll talk about the youngsters. We'll talk about maybe some concerns from this game as well. Um, Tim is here. You can find him on Twitter at Stoberto. Hello, Tim.
2: Hello there.
1: Good to have you back. Um, Clive's not here. Paul's not here. Scott's not here. So we'll just have a nice little chat with Tim. Uh, Quickly... I want to say thank you to everybody who bared with us for the post Watford uh podcast obviously wasn't the most fun match to discuss but I think it was handled sensibly and I think the reaction to it was very generous and and kind thank you um I think people really liked also that we were willing to put the promotional stuff aside for that podcast and we were happy to do it so be sure to sign up for the athletic.com forward slash arsenal vision 50 off and just 250 a month look it's what we do. It's what we do. We we promote the athletic because we love James and we love Amy and Michael Cox and Ornstein and hey, I even write there. So come on, get involved. The athletic.com forward slash Arsenal Vision. If you hate it, cancel it. You got a free month. Read for free for a month and then move on. Uh, as long as you do that, you also get it for two fifty a month after that. So do that. Sign up for Patreon. My God, we did a, a Watford rewatch. Why? Who would why? Why? We did a um a Doomcast, so if you like your Doom Doomy, you can do that, and then you can join us and chat in the uh, Discord. Okay, enough promotion, I'm sorry, but it's back and it's part of our lives, and now we move on. So, Tim, uh, did, a, did a pre-match <laughs> show, a live pre-match show, and, and it was basically 45 minutes of me moaning, imagine that. One of the reasons we don't do the podcast on match days usually is to let the emotion of the moment settle, and uh, I have to admit, when the lineup was announced, I had this really frustrated feeling, and I think the frustrated feeling comes from this. I felt that we should heavily rotate for this game and my argument was we could lose this game. It does not matter. We'll still get through in the group and right now the priority should be the Premier League where we have a big, big opportunity and we need to find a way to take it and the issue for me is Mm. I just want Emory to make decisions that intellectually I can reconcile them. I don't have to agree with his decisions. I just want to be able to understand them intellectually and so in my mind you have a choice put out a first-choice 11, a really strong side, designed to get you the three points and get this group over with early. It wouldn't be my preference, but I'd understand it. But he did rotate, which I'm obviously saying I support, but the first guy who should be rotated out, in my opinion, to protect him is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He has to play 38 matches in the Premier League this season. He has to, and especially right now when we have no one behind him. You could have put Pepe up front, try to get him off the mark. You know, say you're, you know, I'm rotating for this game, one of the reasons you rotate is to rest people and no one needs to be protected, wrapped in cotton wool more than Pierre-Emerick Obamiang. I know you slightly disagree, so you can maybe give me a perspective mm. that helps me reconcile the decision to start Obamiang when you've decided to rotate.
2: So first of all, I think rotation um – it's weird. I, I, I spoke a little bit to the Arsenal women manager, Joe Montemurro, about this um, on Monday evening, actually, because they're playing a lot of games and they've got quite a small squad. And he said, like with rotation, he said that rotation isn't quite what fans and writers think it is. Hmm. Um, he said that quite often you have to make... Um, you have to make the decisions on individuals and a lot of that is based on what you think their condition is what you think their mindset is sometimes you just think just keep that person going just keep them in keep them going don't interrupt them um you know that they're, they're all good they're fine and usually when players are playing well their movements are good their movements are sharp you know um like players in good form don't usually kind of get muscle injuries and things like that because they're just moving so confidently and so quickly and they're so sharp and they're quick and they're away and that sometimes it's just better to keep those players going and sometimes if you give them a pause that's a bit of a killer um so i think there's a bit of that possibly going on because he rotated some positions and not others he obviously decided to sit socrates out but keep david Luiz in in the next europa league game he might do that completely the opposite way around um he might keep socrates in and and have louise out and he might do that in other positions so he played jacker tonight at home to standard liege he might sit jacker out for example so um you know there's there's rotation in terms of what's coming ahead in the next group games there's also a league cup game on tuesday night which someone like abamiang for example is definitely not going to play in that I would okay I'm, I'm allowed to be mad be if he bench. plays in
1: that right if he plays in that then i can get yeah, mad okay yeah
2: <laughs> I, I I think so, yes, yeah. But I, I think the reason he'd have played a Bamiyang tonight, and I've got a lot of sympathy with the decision, maybe because I made peace with it a good few days before. I never thought he would. And the reason I never thought he would is because there just weren't a lot of options. Had Eddie and Ketia still been at the club, then maybe I'd have looked at this and said, Come on, let's have a Bamiyang on the bench. Given Ketia his time and if after seventy minutes we need a goal, maybe bring a bamiang on. But I I didn't really see the choices again, maybe Pepe, but I'm already concerned with Pepe that we're asking him to do something completely different in every game. So he's kind of played as a floating striker away from home um, in both of his away uh, starts so far. I'm slightly worried about that because I think that means Emery doesn't trust his defensive contribution. And therefore we're going to keep seeing um, this kind of jiggery pokery with messing around with the team because, Um, He doesn't want Pepe on the wing for away games. Um, Instead, he wants to play him up front and then just play nobody on the wing, which really shores things up for us. (laughs) Um, So I I, I think there was an element to which he didn't have a lot of choices. Yeah, he could have played Pepe up front, um, maybe. But I, I think at this stage of the season, there's very little chance of fatigue for Aubameyang. If Abamyang plays all six group games, yeah, absolutely, that's stupid. Um, he he shouldn't. But I just felt that tonight, when there's no Lacazette there, he's you know he's pretty much the only striker we've got. This is the hardest game in the group. I think basically, I think we won the group now. I think it's obviously it's not done, but it's, I it's think done. this <laughs> result wins us the group. Yeah, yeah, wins us the group. So so it's kind of done. And without Lacazette there, you know, if if we'd had Lacazette then you know, I think we can potentially share the game time. We could have shared the game time a little bit. We could have done 60-30 with, with those two or just played Lacazette and given Abamyang a break, depending. Um, but I think at this stage of the season, we don't need to worry too much about rotation. I think that's more of a kind of November, December um, kind of question. Um, and, you know, players are still kind of hitting their straps for the season. Um, so I kind of I understood all of the reasons he he played a Bamiyang tonight. And I think if I were in his shoes, I probably would have done as well. And I do think there's an argument that as much as you and I might say or or some fans might say, oh, I don't care about the Europa League. Um, I wouldn't have cared about losing this game. I, I'm not quite sure that's true. Had we lost this game two nil? I'm pretty sure the reaction wouldn't have been sanguine um towards the team or I Emery. Agree. I I think he he would have thought, you know, let let's get the win. Let's, you know, let's kind of there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot coming out in the press. There's a lot of suggestions that the players aren't happy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Vinay uh, came out today and said something about, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with Emery. And when the club is saying stuff like that, that's usually because they the recognise there's a fire to put out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's, the dreaded it's vote because of confidence. they've picked up on... There is that, but it's mainly because they've picked up on the fact that people mm. are unhappy and that they feel like they have to, you know, Um, The sort of thing that Gazidis became too cowardly to do, um, you know, for Arsene Wenger just before he gave him a new contract, when he kind of went into hiding and just let Wenger take a hiding. um, You know, these guys, I think, are a bit more on top of it and just kind of said, look, yep, we're happy with him. Um, that doesn't necessarily have to be true but it's just it fills the void and into the void gets sucked speculation so you you know they kill that dead so I do think there was there's an argument that you could say tonight they did just need to win just to quieten things down Um, so I I think there are a number of kind of small reasons to have played a Bamiyang tonight all of which put together add up to I'd say a fairly decent reason
1: I don't mind much of that I mean I'll I'll Take not take issue, but just um, respond to a few things there. First of all, I totally agree Mm. with you that no matter what the attitude is towards the Europa League, fans will throw their toys out of the pram when you lose. So if we had lost tonight, the reaction would have been bad. Having said that, I think the job of a big club manager is to make the right calls in the face of fan opprobrium and angst, right? So um, if the right call is resting Aubameyang for this game, The fact that fans will fall out with you if you lose is not a reason to make the wrong call. Um, I think that's why you need big personalities managing big clubs because sometimes they have to do things that the fans aren't going to like. And you have to be able to just manage to the best solution, not the fan solution, if that makes sense.
2: I I'd, I'd say it's it's not just a fan thing though because that's that's a player thing as well that mm. that might be my no, that's, retort that's a fair to that, point. that if yep. the players have lost two games in a row you know
1: yeah no and and then the only other thing I'd say is with respect to the fitness levels like I I tend to ascribe to the theory that there's a certain number of minutes you can put into a legs every season a set of legs you know if a player plays 4000 minutes in a season they're more likely to break down than if they play Two thousand minutes in a season. So at thirty years old, being the most important player at the club, and currently the only striker at the club of any merit, um, I just want to keep the minutes out of his legs. And you know that is—I admit—I am a worrier. That's why my friends call me Whiskers. So maybe I just need to take a deep breath and forget about it. But I do think once you decide you can rotate for this game, your first priority should be rotating Obama Yang to the bench and and. You know what? You give Pepe the start up front. You see if he can break his duck. You see if it gives him you know, a little bit of freedom. This was a wide open game. He would have had some space to run into. And if you need goals late, you can bring Yang on. But again, it's it's post hoc analysis at this point. He made the choice. It is what it is. Yang got through it. And let's hope we don't see any wear or tear issues on him down the road. What I will say is if he ever picks up a knock, at any point in this season or any season in the future of his career, I will have been proven right. Um, having said that, that's a <laughs> joke, by the way. Uh, one more thing about the lineup, and because and, there's a lot still to get to in the game, and I don't want to just do lineup stuff because we did that in the pre-match show, but the Ozil thing. This seems like a game mm-hmm. where you can, you know, he was, in, he was in the team for Watford. I think for the most part, he actually played well and was on the pitch during... The better spells of the game, I don't think we played brilliantly at any stages, but I don't think he was a problem. I, I actually said on Twitter, I watched the game again, and did a rewatch for Patreon, and I thought he was fine. I really thought he played pretty well. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is a chance to get him a couple games on the trot to you know give us someone who can put his foot on the ball and give us a bit of control, which is something I do think we're lacking right now. We don't sustain possession. Um, an interesting stat making the rounds that I saw in the Discord was just that in the second half of the Watford game, other than two possessions we didn't have a single possession that was nine events or longer in the second half outside of the two longest ones. So like Mm. we've struggled to get our foot on the ball and just have control and he can certainly give us some of that. So are you surprised and maybe disappointed that he wasn't given an opportunity to be one of the sort of senior calming figures in the squad for this game?
2: Yeah yeah I am um, first of all for the reasons you state for the tactical reasons I'm coming around to the idea that at the moment and this might change um, as things become more cohesive lol um, I'm of the opinion that one of Sabayos or Ozil has to be in there um, to link things up for us I think particularly the beginning of the second half I've got the real Watford feels from this game again in that there was a good 15-minute period at the beginning of that first half where we couldn't get out. We just couldn't because, you know, a midfield three for their qualities, a midfield three of Xhaka, Torreira and Willock is not going to pass you out of midfield. It's not going to combine and get you out of tight spaces. And so we had... Kind of the same thing that we had against Watford, where we were just boxed into a corner, we were hacking the ball out, and it was just coming straight back to us. And um, and again, our kind of front three were just completely cut off. Um, and and I just I just think at the moment, one of Ozil or Ceballos has to be there um, to be that link, to give, you know, not just the link between the midfield and the attack, but to give the defence an out ball. And if you've got someone like, say, Kolasinac at left back who you don't trust as an out ball, then you've got one player less that you can pass to. We had Callum Chambers at right back who isn't a right back. And just because he's played at right back badly, that doesn't mean he's a right back. It means he's definitely not. Um, and so that that's not going to help you progress out but also i just think so so from the tactical point i absolutely would have played Urzil tonight I, th- I think he'd have loved this game to be honest because it was, it was completely all in transition. the whole was thing no, was in transition yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 there was there was no midfield there i mean you know, Saka's come out with two assists tonight with two through balls, um, you know, and he could have had a couple more, which, you know, one was slightly under hit for Aubameyang. One was slightly over hit for Torreira. I mean, I think Ozil would have killed um, tonight. But I also think from the kind of, shall we say, political viewpoint, I just think it's creating an issue again unnecessarily because he's played 71 minutes of football all season. He doesn't need to be rested. So when you don't bring him at all even on the bench and then you tell the press conference I'm resting him it just creates an issue that doesn't need to be there we, like we're all we're all grown ups right we know they don't like each other we know that he doesn't like really playing with Herzl in the team and that and, and that's kind of fine I can, I can see why and they don't have to get on like you know, people don't. Some people just don't get on with one another. And, and that's kind of the end of it. And it's kind of unfortunate. But, you know, I think we all know that's where this is at. And so by not bringing him at all, I feel like Emery is just rousing a sleeping dog and making it a thing again. When Urza was an unused sub in the North London derby, no one really talked about it because, you know, he was on the bench. And a few people said, oh, maybe he could have come off. But It was the Mkhitaryan know, just swap. Yeah, of, I,
1: think, I think some people thought he could have. Yeah,
2: yeah. But it wasn't like it wasn't like a big political thing. You know, he was in the squad. He didn't bring him on. Okay, small talking point. Now it's a talking point. Now it's a thing because he said quite pithily in a press conference, I'm resting him when like every And he says that knowing that everyone knows he doesn't need a rest, that that's the last thing he needs at the moment. So that leaves it open to kind of what he's saying there. In kind of double speak is I've got a problem with him. I don't like him. I don't want him. And it's like we know that, and we know that it's at a complete impasse. There is no point in doing this, you know, for a Europa League away game. Which, to be honest, you know, even if you consider him a bit of a flight risk, it's the Europa League. You played Saka and Smith Rowe, you know. So you, you obviously, as you said at the outset, you thought that this game was worth taking a couple of flight risks for. So to not even take him at all, I feel like it's again, Emery's making it a point. And I just don't think it's necessary. This has been going on for 12 months. Everyone knows what's happening. Let's just get on with it. And, you know, I don't think anyone at this point, expectations are so low of their relationship. We don't expect Ozil to start every game or anything close to it by now. But like not even bringing him in a 19 man squad you know, he bought Rob Holding, Can I and ask Rob a question? Holding wasn't on the bench. Is it? And, is, yeah, yeah. Is it
1: remotely possible that there is still a security risk, but they've asked the manager not to allude to that because it, you know it empowers those people or whatever the case may be. and that they, I mean, to be fair, that that sucks for Emery and it sucks for Ozil that they wouldn't come out with it. But am I, is that too conspiratorial for you?
2: I, I think so because Kalasnich played. Yeah, and very good point. Also. Yep. Mm-hmm. And also, you come up with a better excuse than I'm resting him. I just mm. think saying I'm resting him is him trying to make it obvious that he's not resting him, that he's just not picking him because he doesn't like him. and Good points, yeah. You know, I so, so, yeah. And like I said, you know, he bought Rob Holding, and did, and, and that's fine because I'm put him sure on the bench, there's like a good by the reason way. behind like, that.
1: that, that yeah, was yeah. it just because Rob wanted to see Frankfurt? like Because I, I feel like if you're recovering from injury and you're not going to be named on the bench, then you stay home at Colney and you work with the physios. Like, what's the point of well, that?
2: Well, they always bring, they always bring 19 just in case someone has to drop out. And I think, you know, it's probably just as much a psychological thing. Let's bring him along. Um, They train at Colney in the morning, uh, you know, before they fly out. So he didn't lose a training session or anything. I, you know, I think it makes sense Mm -hmm. um, really just to get him back involved again. But, you know, yeah, I, I just, I just think, you know, just bring him and, put him on the bench and <laughs> don't play him if you don't want to play him. I just feel like it's just he's trying to make a point that just no longer needs to be made.
1: It's just weird, right? Because he did start him in a Premier League match away to Watford. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, I could, if he just
2: wasn't using him and was like,
1: this player is not in my plans, period, you yeah. could sort of understand if, it. But it's it's like a Zidane thing with Bale. Him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's like a Zidane thing with Bale in a way where you know Zidane hates him. You know he doesn't want to use him, but then he's relying on him. And it's a, it doesn't... I don't see what the, the best outcome is there. Anyway, that's certainly enough on the lineup in the traveling squad or non-traveling squad, as the case may be. Um, and we will get to positives because there are positives, and a big one, obviously, is Saka we want to talk about. I think Willick maybe started a little rough but grew into the game and had, had a really couple of really good moments, including the goal, a little fortunate there. Um, Smithrow, eh, maybe not the best game, but you know, back from a longer-term injury and, and put in a position that's maybe not his strongest. I think before we get to specific individual performances, Tim, I just want to get your thoughts on the flow of this game in general, first of all. I think the thing that is really weird watching Arsenal right now is the pattern of play. It is either us packed into our area, you know, being run backwards towards our goal in transition and you, you know the, letting the opposition play right to the edge of our box and take shots, or it's us running up the pitch the other way, chasing down into the attacking third. I mean, maybe it's by design to play entirely in transition, but I can't imagine that we would want this little control of a game. Do you find it interesting that we can't get our foot on the ball and have spells of possession and control games and that teams are able to just play right to the edge of our, our penalty area so so effortlessly?
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think that was a big problem again tonight, to be honest, and again... This game could have gone another way um, quite easily. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, the Watford game could have gone another way. We could have, you know, it could have been just as chaotic and we could have won it 3-0. Yeah, look, left, know, we, we left the four or five of, goals
1: on the pitch tonight. You know, I mean, Aubameyang had a tap yeah. in that he missed. There were the, yeah, the, the yeah, break, yeah. the counterattacks where the pass wasn't played. There were a couple of shots. You know, Willick should have scored when he went with his right instead of his left. So I don't want to make it sound like they battered us when we got lucky, but yes, at the other end... We we weathered a storm. Another 26 shots against us, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, while you're playing, like, basketball or, like, Power League, we seem to be playing at the moment, you know, the way it will go is that some games will go for you, like they went tonight, and some will go against you, like they did on Sunday. And I, I feel like they were similar games, to be honest. It's just... They just went slightly different ways and perhaps Watford had slightly more in attack than Frankfurt did, um, slightly more individual quality. Um, perhaps Watford kind of knew Arsenal um, a little bit better because, um, yeah, this this just felt like another game where there was just a massive chasm <laughs> in the middle of the pitch where there was really no midfield. And, you know, like I said earlier, right, that's why I really think Arsenal need either Ozil or Ceballos in the team at the moment. They really need someone that can control through possession because I, you know, I just, I, I feel like again, Xhaka, either Xhaka had a decent game tonight, but I still think his kind of, you know, lack of athleticism, creates problems um, and that's not really his fault because you can't change your athleticism really and then kind of playing Terrera in this in this like roving number can eight you explain role, that
1: to me that that's I, a big talking point for me no. because it's you know what's funny is to yeah. his credit he got on the end of a move he nearly scored I mean he's showing some skills in the attacking third that you don't associate with him but it still just feels like a very very poor fit
2: yeah it does it does it doesn't feel like That's what we bought him to do. And he's, you know, I I mean, he has played as a number 10 before, but I don't think he's ever really played this role. And you can see that even when he gets the positions, largely, I think no one picks him up because no one really (laughs) expects him to be there. Um, But, you know, he he just doesn't have the quality of finish as we saw in the first half. So it's all very well him picking up these positions, which he he kind of does because no one really picks him up. But he rarely kind of really threatens um, with them, to be honest, because just, that's just not, not who he is. I, I find it really weird like because Emery has seemingly throughout his coaching career always insisted on that double pivot. And so you'd really think he'd play him along, especially a player like Xhaka, who you know isn't mobile to have like you know an attack dog next to him so i i don't get it either and i don't, it didn't look like Torreira. i could kind of get it a bit more if torreira's role was more about pressuring the opposition high up but that's not what he was doing he was running off the ball high up and uh yeah i i, I struggle to understand that one particularly when we already had joe Willik in midfield who's very good at doing that so I don't I don't really understand why we needed another player who's Mm. not as good at it doing it and particularly when we're getting beaten up um you know in our own half um you know that that pass that that chance for Smith Rowe in the first half it was Xhaka that pushed up and really well and kind of forced the turnover but you I was kind of looking at that and thinking. Why isn't Torreira doing that? <laughs> yeah. Because that that seems like much more his job or the, the kind of thing he'd be better at. So no, I I am confused by it, but I think it's reasonably obvious by now that, that Emery just doesn't like Torreira, really.
1: Yeah, I don't... It's it's hard to explain. And I mean, you know, if I think back to the Burnley game early in the season where I think we handled pressure really well and Ceballos had that brilliant performance, that was his man-of-the-match performance, it was tip-tap, tip-tap and out. You know, th- Little triangles, mm. good distances, bing-bang, out you go, up the pitch, past the past the pressure. And while that wasn't, I'm not saying we were brilliant in that game, I think we moved the ball up the pitch with short, one-touch, quick passing and movement. The distances are so bad, Tim. Like, I... If you want to watch this game again be my guest, I'm certainly not going to, but there were times when Shaka <laughs> had the ball or Torreira had the ball, and no one's near them. Now, it doesn't help that the nearest ball is either Chambers for Torreira... Or Kolasinac for Shaka, and they are not good players in possession. They're just not. That they're not Mm. passers. They they can't play short possession passing. That's not their style. And I think that cuts off a real angle for us. And maybe Willick is still learning how to drop in and be the extra man and find the space. We know you know if you notice, Willick played the role tonight that he played poorly against Newcastle. Now Willick grew into this game, and we'll get to that. Mm. But early in the game, what I think he was struggling to do is find that connective space you know to to drop in and and be an option for midfield partners but it is really weird watching it because there were times i mean tim they were passing the ball through our middle third and attacking third with no one within 10 yards of them they'd get to the edge of our area and still have five yards there was one pass in this game that went from our right defensive wing their left attacking wing all the way through the box into the right channel just a pass on the ground, along the ground, into the box for a shot. And it's just unbelievable to me that you can have that much space and that much ability to just pass right right through the penalty area on the ground and complete a pass that way for a shot. So, I mean, where do you think, before we move on to some of the positives, because I I don't want to make this just a complaining session, but Mm. structurally there feels like something is maybe a little bit wrong and something is missing. And I I love that we want to plan transition, but the other thing you're seeing is that, Players are just out of gas early for this team. We look, we look, sh- some of these players look shattered by 60 minutes because it is basketball. They're up the mm-hmm. pitch, they're back the pitch, they're up the pitch, they're back the pitch. And, uh, and yeah, we're defending yeah. really deep and letting up a lot of shots. It's, it's surely not sustainable. Is there something that you see that you think is an easy fix here?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> to, to repeat, kind of just having a bit of a connector in there, I, I yeah. really think if we, trust Ceballos and play him properly I know like I know he's you know he's got like a little bit of roughness around the edges but you know it's really weird how Emery accepts the kind of bones and blisters of some players like Xhaka but then in others maybe the ones further up the pitch you know like I said he hasn't started Pepe on the wing away from home yet he's put him up front or in a kind of free floating role because he like he you know, he just seems terrified about the prospect of Pepe on the wing and, and not not coming back. So instead, we've played a midfield diamond and been completely exposed anyway. Um, and then like with Ceballos, I, I don't know. I'm just getting this sense that he doesn't entirely trust him because he's, you know, that like that interview you gave to Sid Lowe where he, he talks about, you know, um, kind of re- Ruining the equilibrium uh, tactically, a, a guy who breaks free of structure a little bit. I also think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- th- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- but th- I think the other thing I see in Sabio's though, that kind of, you know, he talked about, yeah, sometimes get attracted to the ball and, and that that's a bit of a flaw. But actually in the defensive phase for Arsenal, I think that could be a real strength at the moment because... Um, you know at the moment it's our it's our defenders who are suffering when they have the ball right so if you're talking about subios getting attracted to the ball when you're watching arsenal play at the moment it's not because he's like going up front it's, if anything, it's, he'll be coming right back onto his centre-halves because that's where the ball is. And actually, I think that would be quite useful for Arsenal at the moment. Um, and, I, and I thought in the Burnley game, for example, he did that quite well. We came under some pressure in our own half, but we played out much better against Burnley. And I think a lot of that was because Ceballos kind of you know, came backwards a little bit and came to help out. And And it's not the perfect fix. But I think it's it's better than what we're doing at the moment, and I, th- I think a lot of the things Emery is trying to do, to try to fix things, it's actually kind of making things a little bit worse. You know, like <laughs> like I said with the Pepe thing, like oh I don't trust him on the wing, so I'll play a midfield diamond and just completely give up the wing anyway, and then like you know, playing Xhaka in front of the defense on his own so he has to cover loads of ground and oh I'm I'm not sure I quite trust Torreira in that position so instead I'm going to put him 20 yards forward and just leave Xhaka to do everything defensively it's it's all a bit I I still don't think he's quite got the grasp of, of of his players and where their strengths are as individuals and where their strength is as a unit and um so, I mean, sorry to harp back to the Watford game, and maybe we should make this kind of the last negative comment and go on to how like great the academy kids are and yes. everything. But I, I had a convers I had a conversation with some friends today, you know, about the Watford game, and I was like, "You're two nil up away to the side who are bottom of the league. You have Ozil, Ceballos, Pepe, and Abamiang on the pitch, and your decision is to sit on it." And put the result in the hands of Granite Jacker, David Luiz, Sokratis, and a couple of backup fullbacks. Like that, to me, is just that's insane. That is a gross miscalculation calculation of where your talent is, and uh, and I think at the moment, Emery has to kind of put up with some of the more attacking rough edges that we have and lean into those rather than exposing the defensive rough edges.
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't really understand it because these are games where you'd say Arsenal are going to have 800 to 1,000 passes and just, you know, kill the game because of their technical superiority and their, their ability to possess the ball. And we're just routinely outpassed, outshot, outpossessed. And I, I can't figure out why that is because those players are not more technically secure or better than we are. One thing that seems clear is Emery does want to play in transition more. And, and in this game, the thing that I saw again, and it's a hallmark of the season so far, players getting sucked to the ball on one side of the pitch and then getting beaten by the switch to the other side. And we don't stretch across the pitch well, so we try to stay compact, but when we get sucked over to the ball, and Shaka was guilty of this a lot, the switch is on. And when they switch it, they have acres of space to run into. Um, Mm. You know, and that's that's a huge problem because we're winding up conceding a lot of territory down both wings. So you're right, we should move on to the positives. I, I think... You can be thrilled with the victory and thrilled with the way the Academy kids played and still have real concerns about the openness, track meet style of these games and the inability to control them. Um, but on the day, we were more than good enough. We did create chances. I mean, what I will say is, as mm. as much of a mess as this game was, there were periods where it was a hell of a lot of fun because we were either conceding mountains of chances mm. at one end or creating guilt-edge chances at the other that we were spurning for quite a while. Before we get to the quality of Saka. And Willick and, to some extent, Smith-Rowe. Let's quickly talk about Martinez. This is a guy who recently gave an interview Mm -hmm. and quite boldly was like, I want to be the number one. I'm better than Leno. I deserve it. Um, Which, okay, you sort of turn your head at that. But that is the mentality you need to have. You know, he feels he should Mm -hmm. be playing now. He's at that stage of his career. He gets this game and he kept us in it. One really interesting sidebar, I will say, we didn't pass out from the back as much this game. But when we did go long, that was almost worse. (laughs) It came back at us so quick. (laughs) We do not have an out ball when we go long. So I think we are going to have to play out from the back if we want to be successful because we cannot kick long and have it come right back at us. But as far as Martinez's performance, I mean, certainly can't complain. Uh, Had a lot to do and did it well.
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I don't think there was a save in there. I wouldn't have expected him to make. There was the hand, the strong hand
1: um, low. Was it a right hand down to his right um, from the left channel?
2: Yeah 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 and his handling was very secure and what you want from a goalkeeper really is for them to give you confidence um and I, and I kind of you want uh, with with goalkeepers um a lot of it's about feel as much as anything you want you want to feel secure and uh, he he just yeah he gave me that feeling tonight like I didn't have my heart didn't jump into my throat when um a frankfurt player lined up a shot from 25 yards because uh, I, I didn't have that kind of. I didn't have that Aspina feel <laughs> where it was like, oh no. Al- maybe Al- he you won't mean Almunia feel? This you or, mean.
1: Uh, I mean, I or, could go on. Or Almunia feel.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or even, I, I, I don't think he's like this anymore, but even like occasionally Fabiansky uh, when he was with us. Minone, um, yeah, you know, that go kind on and of, on, yep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, whereas Martinez, you know, he he, he kind of looked like he belonged in the goal and and I think he's looked like that the last few times he's played and you know what look, look let's have it right he should he's 27 now like he's not, I know in goalkeeping years that's you know that's that's not quite as old as an outfield player but it's still you know he's been he's been around a while he's been at the club nearly 10 years now um and and he should be kind of he should be really knocking on the door he probably should have been knocking a bit harder a couple of years ago but yeah absolutely and I I really liked his handling and his kind of decisiveness from low crosses as well I think Frankfurt put a lot of you know whizzed a lot across our six yard box and I think he was pretty decisive And, uh, you know, his footwork was very good. I thought he made good decisions. Um, He didn't just stay on his line. But at the same time, he wasn't, you know, he was judging every situation as it needed to be judged, which, you know, which showed a lot of uh, maturity. Because even if he's 27, he hasn't played a lot of top level football. Um, And, yeah, I, I was I was very enthused by what I saw from him tonight. I think he's one player that can absolutely he he didn't. And again, he's 27, so he shouldn't, but he didn't look like a rookie out there. He, lo- he looked like he'd played a lot of senior games, and that's that's all you can ask.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned Ospina, and I have to say, look, I am not going to go all Emery here where I like a big guy at the base of midfield, but I do like a big guy in goal. There's something to be said yep. for a guy yep. who can touch the crossbar without jumping. <laughs>
2: who fills the net yeah, 100%. Exactly. Yep.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, David Ospina is actually a pretty decent shot stopper, to be fair, but... I still like a guy mm-hmm. who, when he comes out to command his area on a set piece, you know he's he's jumping three feet above the rest of the guys. You know when his arms are up. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just looks right. So that's yeah. something that fits my eye. You, you another comment there?
2: No, 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 no. That, okay. that, that's yeah,
1: good enough. I'm All right. So worried. let's do this. Um, I, I do want to get to Saka. I do want to get to. Um, Willick a bit and, and just the goals and, and the good stuff since we haven't really covered much of it. So we're going to do that. But uh, I think we should tell everybody about The Athletic because it is a really special uh, website and you do definitely want to hear about it. I know those of you listening right now have been thinking, get to The Athletic promotion already. So I apologize for making you wait. But we will do that now. Uh, it's a couple presses of the skip button. If you hate it, look, we didn't do it last episode. Every other episode, you know what, we'll just we'll leave these out. But for now, uh, hit the skip button a few times, you'd be past it. But if you do want to hear, if you want to hear, we have some nice little music under it. Tells you all about it. You can hear what's special about it. Either way, your choice. We'll take a break. Be back after this. Okay, it's time to tell you about The Athletic, the new home of football writing and a world-class sports website. You can get The Athletic for half off and a month trial right now if you go to theathletic.com forward slash arsenalvision. You'll help the pod. And of course, you'll help The Athletic too. But that's a good thing because you will be at the new home of football getting world-class writing and the best coverage of Arsenal from writers like Amy Lawrence, whom we love, has been on the pod. David Ornstein, James McNicholas, also known as Gunnerblog, myself, but don't let that hold you back. The coverage of sports is unrivaled and there's no advertising to get in the way, no clickbait. They're not chasing ad revenue. They're just trying to write great in-depth articles. They've broken some incredible news. They've had some incredible interviews. Loved the article about the Eddie and Keddy load to Leeds and how that came about. So there's a lot to like there. Try it out. It's a month free. And then if you stick with it, it's 250 a month that's it so you can go to the athleticcom forward slash Arsenal vision and try it now see what all the buzz is about go sign up now the athleticcom forward slash Arsenal vision all right we're back thanks for putting up with that and I hope some of you will have uh, enjoyed it and and be thankful for it and those of you who are not you know what thanks for sticking with us uh, Tim let's let's talk about the star of the show we've we've waited way too long we're nearly 40 minutes in and we have to talk Saka. I think there's There's definitely Mm -hmm. a few minutes to save in the podcast for for Willick, who scored the opening goal, who had some really good moments, that one driving run where he set up, I think, Aubameyang, uh, and people were hearkening back to Vieira. That was one. We'll get to all that. But Saka has it. I don't know how to describe it, but you saw it in the preseason. And unfortunately, it's going to be compared with Nelson. Reese Nelson is a talented player who may someday be a star for Arsenal. But I can't help feeling when I watch Saka, he just has more of it. He has great close control, a really powerful, uh, explosive first step, sort of like what Welbeck had in that respect, where he can burst away from you. And as he showed on the goal... He he has a great finish in him, but he also has a final ball, which he demonstrated twice with the two assists. I think this is a player who certainly showed that he can be given more responsibility, and considering that with Lacazette out and Aubameyang playing up front, left wing is a position that is open for debate. He certainly thrust mm-hmm. himself into that debate tonight, didn't he?
2: Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And, um, you know, having having kind of lost Mkhitaryan and Awobi this summer, um, in the well, we didn't lose them. We, we know
1: exactly where they are, well, to be fair. We, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> we, we sent them we just, away. We yeah. just let them... Uh, yeah, yeah, we just drove into the middle of the forest and told them they're free. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it means... I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago means that a couple of those young players are really going to have to step up because they're going to have to play some games Um, and actually in that interview Vinay gave um, where he kind of gave the dreaded vote of confidence to an I Emery he he spoke a bit about the young players and he actually spoke about it being like financially efficient he just said you know something I've been saying for years that like if you fill out your squad places with academy players that gives you more money to spend on like a Pepe or an Aubameyang or you know just a, a grade A kind of ready-made talent and what you don't want to be Mm -hmm. doing yeah yeah, well yeah what you don't want to be doing and obviously he didn't name names but i'm going to what you don't want to be doing is spending like 17 million on lucas perez or putting 200 grand a week into Mikatarian or players like that when you know you could get an awobi um for free and you know have him play a valuable squad right like even if you just get a clutch a clutch of awobis you get three seasons out of them Decent squad role, sell them for forty million, great. But you know, did, did, like would Mikatarian have done better than 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 Saka tonight? No, I mean he'd have had to <laughs> he'd he'd have had to have gone some to do better. And you know, I know it's the Europa League and it's the Europa League group stage, and those games are always a little less intense because there's less consequence to them. But um, I, I you know. Saka, like you say, those attacking spots, they're up for grabs, you know, beyond the, you know, the the front three comprised of our three record signings, they're up for grabs uh, for the likes of Smith Rowe, for the likes of Nelson. And uh, yeah, I, I tweeted this, the only young player that had a bad night tonight really was Reece Nelson. Um, I, I know Smith Rowe didn't play brilliantly, but I saw Smith Rowe play against Northampton in whatever they're calling the Checker Trade Cup this year. And that was under 21s. And he was way below the mark physically. And that was only like a fortnight ago. Um, so I think we've got to be a bit patient with him until at least Christmas. He was out for a while with with an injury that does have a bit of legacy to it. You know, that kind of hip groin area. Mm. Um, but, but you know, and, and look, Saka is... There's a couple of things going for him. Emery really wants like enterprising wide players, right? That's what we've seen. That's that's really kind of that's where he thought the priority was in the transfer window. So we went out and got all, you know, spent all that money on Pepe, reintroduced Nelson into the squad. That that's a position he's really interested in. He really wants like those wide forwards, um, and so he kind of fits Emery's mold. The other very positive thing for him is that he kind of fits what Aubameyang wants as well, which is Mm -hmm. like a proper left winger, goes on the outside, gets the ball in with his left foot. And I thought what was really interesting was that these two played very close together um, tonight. Aubameyang really hung out over on that left-hand side. And actually in the first half, they were playing almost like a front two. Um, and off the ball, it Smith Rowe dropped like, right back into a kind of right midfield position and, and Saka was just kind of floating. And, and they got Aubameyang and Saka very close together. And, and on one hand, that's credit to Aubameyang because you can say he kind of helped coach um, an inexperienced young player through that. And, and they, they just looked like they had a fairly instant understanding um, tonight. And, and Saka, I, I always, you know, I, I don't watch a youth team as much as I used to, but I I know like he's quite a dribbly kind of wide forward and he's got a goal in him and, and a nice left foot and the rest of it and he can take players on. Um, but what I saw from him tonight as well was was a bit of a through ball, like you said. Um, and, and what I quite liked as well was actually in the first half, he had that through ball that you kind of messed up um, when he should have just played it half a second earlier to a Bamiang slightly delayed and it was cut out. But like two minutes later, he plays another through ball for Torreira and he, he just kept plugging away um, at that. And he just, he strikes me as like a quite a good percentage player. And um, what I, I don't think Arsenal have quite enough of that in attack. When I used to watch like Mikatarian for example, I kind of used to think sometimes you're too precise. Like you want the, you want the Goldilocks shot or the Goldilocks pass, and I sometimes think that about Lacazette in front of goal. Anyway, I think sometimes uh, you really only like you really only want to pull the trigger or do something when you when there's like a 95% chance it's going to come off. Whereas you know guys like Aubameyang and and Saka looks a bit like this, and even Willock to a degree look like that kind of you know what this might have a 70% chance of working, but if I do it three or four times in a game, it will come off one time. Um, And, you know, with respect of him kind of just getting to the byline and clipping passes in, you know, it was his cross for Torreira that he stood up to the back post as well, which really should have been another assist for him. Um, Yeah, I really like like the look of him. He He looks like quite a kind of nice, fairly traditional wide player. And if you're talking about the wide left spot, being up for grabs um you know he's, he's done himself absolutely no harm which is not to say let's start him like in every game now and just run him into the ground but you know he'll probably get on the bench on sunday now which with an indifferent or ordinary performance he probably wouldn't have tonight um i'm sure he'll play again against forest in the league cup so he's he's got a little bit of a chance now to 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 build on something and perhaps even nudge himself ahead of nelson
1: If he doesn't play the next 33 league games from the start, I will be furious. (laughs) A couple of things. I mean, Nelson lost the ball quite a bit against Watford. And the one thing about Saka that I like, he keeps the ball really close to his feet when he dribbles. He has that real close control. Um, He has the ability to burst away, which I love. The shot that he scores, I mean, he passes that into the corner from 19 yards out. That is an excellent, expert, composed finish. Um, to say this game is a meaningless game is wrong in the sense that this is European competition. Frankfurt is a real club. Mm-hmm. There's a real atmosphere. Mm-hmm. He didn't wilt when he took a kicking. Um, you know The goal he sets up for Aubameyang, he wins the ball back. He didn't just want to do the fun parts of the game. He was willing to get stuck in. He wins the ball back. He, he skips mm-hmm. past a guy and plays the pass. There's a lot there to like, and it reminds me of when Serge Nabry broke into the team the first time before the injury or when Oxlade-Chamberlain yeah. arrived. There are certain players that just in the final third they have something an explosiveness yeah, yeah. or the way they strike the ball that you just immediately see it um i have to admit it was the thing with wobi that i just never fell in love with and wobi has lots of good qualities mm-hmm. but he doesn't have that dynamic explosive burst he doesn't strike the ball with that clean crisp hit and and he did other things well. he was strong you know he controlled it he could connect he could carry he could he could you know play the the one two passing but Saka has that that go-forward, dynamic, straight-line, exciting final mm. third kind of play. And I, I think we are crying out for it. I think Aubameyang will love playing with a player like that. I, I think both he and Pepe will only benefit from Tierney and Bellerin coming back because I think you do see the extent to which Kolasinac and tonight it was Chambers, at the weekend it's Maitland-Niles, are not able to necessarily provide the support for those wide players. You know, that lets them get a little, mm. you know, tuck in a little more, get a little more central and and influence the player on the box. But all in all, a 10 out of 10 night for Saka. And I would go so far as to say he could and probably should start against Villa at the weekend because I don't want to see the four diamond two again. I don't think that's good for Pepe. Mm. I don't think that system works. And if you have two true wide players, in Pepe and Saka, who you trust with an absolute fucking superstar killer up front, you can go four, three, three. You can. And you can put Jarreta mm. at the base and you can play Ceballos and Gonduzi. You can play. You know, take your pick of those three and and, and you can go do something. So I hope that's what we'll see. You mentioned Smith-Rowe not being at the level. I think that's fair. Look, guy's just back from injury. He's playing in Germany where he had went on loan, probably pressing a little bit. He's playing on the side that I don't think is his natural side necessarily, with a fullback on his side who is not an attacking player. So a tougher role for him. But Willick was interesting. I thought he started the game a little little poorly, grew into it, Mm -hmm. had that one magnificent Vieira-esque run to him. I'm curious what you think of him Tim, because I struggle to sort of pigeonhole him positionally. When he's a 10, I mm. don't think he necessarily has the awareness of where to sort of pop up and collect the ball. Um, when he's an 8, I don't know if he's defensively intense enough or a 6. He's not a 6. Um, so what, what do you make? I mean, obviously he had some really bright moments, including the goal, a little fortunate there, but um, he could have had a couple of assists. What do you make of his performance, and then where do you see him landing positionally in, in this
2: system? That's a really interesting question. And, you know, I I think just because of the time he's come into the team, a lot of us, myself included, have kind of had that kind of, you know, almost Ramsey comparator uh, going in our heads because he's got that kind of arrive late in the box, um, as we saw with his goal. And, And he does have those qualities. And Sometimes he does seem like quite an off-the-ball player, but then um we've seen it in the last couple of games. He had that brilliant dribble at the end of the Watford game, which unfortunately he just got a bit greedy when he, you know, he yeah, right into the box about thirty yards. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he should have slid a Bamiang in, but he got stu- he he was already seeing the headlines and he tried to go one more, but and he did that again tonight. And actually, it's, it's funny you ask about you know where where he'll land and stuff like that because. Uh, james uh mcnicholas kind of tweeted me tonight and said that uh he he actually reminded him of drb which is a comparison i'd never thought of and uh and then like you saying like where's he gonna land and what kind of player is he um it's quite an interesting question because did we ever work that out with drb no
1: now granted he was never fit enough long enough to figure (laughs) it out thanks to dan smith but
2: no but but was like what was drb You know, was it was he a four? Was he a six? Was he an eight? Was he a ten? He was kind of all of those things and none of those things. Yep. Um. And we and we never we never quite worked out what he was. Like even on a a good day, um. I I think he's just one of those. But and maybe Willock will be like this. He's just one of those players you put on the pitch, and um. You know, you you put maybe a structure around him. Um, because he he moved to a slightly more of a kind of number ten role in the second half, and then Torreira did kind of sit back a little bit more. So it was a little bit more like um, you know a double pivot with Jacker and Torreira, albeit I think that suits a, a him more. Lopsided. And,
1: I, I don't know that yeah. his his athletic his athleticism, or maybe it's not athleticism, but defensive intensity. Like he doesn't look good chasing back. He doesn't necessarily look no, no, no. like someone who has. The, the right sort of tenacity to, to sit in front of the back four. I, I think if he can develop a slightly better awareness of space and, and when to mm. drop in and provide support for his, his double pivoter, whoever's playing central midfield, I think he can be more of that modern De Bruyne-style 10 if he can add those traits. I don't know that he'll ever be yeah. a, a 6 or an 8.
2: He, he looks better when the game's ahead of him yeah Um, and and this is this is where he is a bit like ramsey he's he's better at arriving behind the ball um i think um in in whatever position that is whether that's in the opposition's penalty area or even like when we're defending i think he's much better when the game's in front of him and he's kind of arriving on the ball and you know like i said he's a weird player in that on one hand you kind of regard him as an off the ball player but on the other hand. You know, when he gets the ball and he gets a gallop on, he's, he's a really, really good dribbler. I, I didn't know he had that in him, that kind of carrying the ball forward. And I, I think that's that's so, so promising to have another player that can do that. Having lacked that type of player for so long, we've now got, you know, you look at him, you look at Saka, you look at Pepe, you look at Ceballos can do it. Um, you know, and it's it's no coincidence that Frankfurt, how, how many yellow cards, they got a red card and how many yellows tonight, how many times were they just hacking players down because we were breaking on them and we had guys that could, that could you know, run ahead of steam and, and take them on. And that, that just wasn't happening last season with a like very, very kind of sterile, you know, watching Arsenal progress the ball last season was like watching someone push a boulder up a hill um, at times. Whereas now we've just got a few more players who've got that, next gear Um, if only they had that gear going
1: back the other direction too
2: (laughs) yeah 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 exactly there's that and i still think like i've said a few times we just need that other technical gear in there that Mm. player that can just put his foot on the ball and give us that technical security because a lot a lot of that would stop the kind of basketball element if we could just keep the ball um but having having runners like that and and i think that's part of the reason we're getting the basketball games but when the when it when it's us kind of surging forward we've got these players who can kind of surge with the ball a little bit so maybe we we just need to tweak the balance in there a little bit but um as for what i like i i just think that willock probably is like you know a fairly modern attacking number eight and it will just depend on on what kind of midfield is around him but um i'm i'm enthused by him um i i think he's got some really interesting qualities like you i'm not exactly sure how it's all gonna come out in the wash in terms of where he fits into this team um and to what sort of role he has, whether he's a high level squad player, a squad player, whether he starts lots of games, I'm not sure how that's all going to shake out, but I think he's got some interesting qualities and what, what we really need is a settled system somehow so that we can work some of this out.
1: Yeah. I got to tell you, I mean, to me, the solution just seems obvious. You play a four, three, three, you put to at the base, you pick two of mm. Ganduzi, Sabayos and, Willock, Willick and, if you mm. want to put Willick with Ceballos, Ceballos can drop in next to Torreira a little bit. He has a little of that defensive intensity. He can help wriggle out of pressure if, if Torreira's under pressure. He can drop and collect and carry it forward. Guendouzi can do a little of that, too. They both have that dagger ball and that ability in the final third to release a player. But if you want to do it with Ceballos and Willick, then Willick has the ability to arrive on the end of moves, to get into the box, to be an, an extra mm. strike, you know not a striker, but, you know, an extra um, scoring option in there. You can use his, his dribbling and carrying to get past players in the middle third into the attacking third. I just, it it all points to moving away from Shaka to me at the end of the day, and I, yeah. I, I know that that screams bias, and, and I raise my hand and, and say guilty, but that, to me, seems like the solution. And then you have Aubameyang through the middle, and your two wide forwards, Pepe and one other. And that leads me to the final point, Tim, which is that, you know, I, I thought it was sort of an indifferent performance from Pepe, I'm not going to pick on him. He's still finding his feet, mm. but I gotta, I gotta tell you, I agree with you in the sense that you, you gotta play three up front and let him be one of the two wide players. I, I think yep. he has to you know, take a role on the wing where he can sort of cut in on that, on that left foot and and bring the ball back in the middle of the pitch and slip someone through or take a shot. But the system has to help get him settled because I don't think what we're doing with the yep. four diamond two is helping him. And and he is a player who does have a neat, neat little final run. You know, a little uh, last shoulder run on him from central spaces. That doesn't do you a lot of good if there's no one to release that ball, anyway. What do you make no. of his cameo, and what's your take on the the concern, if any, for Pepe and the start he's had to life at Arsenal?
2: So i I don't have any concerns with him. Um, I think his talent is obvious. Um, I, I also think we don't take into account enough things like summer tournaments um you know he he went deep in the afcon the afcon went on till nearly august like he was playing till something like the 16th of july um you know that has an impact uh, particularly when you make a move to a new country um so there's those things that i think you can you can really clearly and obviously see where his elite skill set is um you know as as a as a dribbler and as someone who can protect and move the ball um, I think we're making, th- I, I think the manager's making things harder for him. Um, a bit like Sabios you know, I wrote about Sabio's this week and I was, you know, it was just like saying if you're Sabayos, like what's your feedback on your time at Arsenal so far? Like what, what are you supposed to think about what you've been doing and what your role is and how you see yourself in this team? Cause it just chops and changes in, in every game. And, and I, I kind of think something similar about Pepe. I also think we're playing in a way that just doesn't really support him. Um, because I think my fear is that Emery is going to go with this Pepe Aubameyang Lacazette front three. And he's kind of scared of it. And he doesn't really want to do that. But that's the position the club of kind of put him in um by by selling certain players and so he's going to compensate for it by playing like really conservative midfields and almost doing what he did with the Bamyang and Lacazette last season and just cutting them off from the rest of the team and just going right um you know get on with it kind of thing and I, I don't think that's the best way to support him um you know, and 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 it all comes back to just having that connector um, in there for me because at the moment, Pepe's been kind of fighting for scraps. There's not there's not like an obvious kind of ball progression to him. There's not an obvious line that the ball gets to him. A lot of it is him chasing long balls into the channels, or we've been trying to progress the ball up the pitch and not been able to do it, or he gets it like on a counter attack and there's only one player up with him. I, I think at the moment. There's a little bit that he's not going to be quite sharp for a number of, shall we say, soft factors. I, I also think, honestly, that the coach has just made it a bit more complicated for him than it needs to be. Like, And and that's the story of quite a lot of the players in the team at the moment.
1: I'm not worried at all. I think his talent is precocious. No, same. I, I think same. you can see it a mile away. I think you can see the personality of the player. I don't think he hides. I think yep. you saw that at Anfield. I believe that he maybe has to start to pick spots a little better between when to dribble and when to just make the simple pass just a little bit of decision making and that'll come as he learns his teammates and hopefully as a system develops where there are players near him uh, bellerin coming back could be a big factor in that but I think once he starts to get that right um there'll be no stopping him i I really think he's special yeah so'm I'm, I'm not worried in the least you know, but, we
2: were, mm-hmm. yeah you know you know we were just saying like um you know about Martinez for example when someone looks just looks right just looks right in the goal, and sometimes you just look at a player and they just look right on the pitch and you just think yeah he's he's a player. And, and I just get that sense from Pepe um whether we'll bring and juice the absolute best out of him, we'll see, but i i I'm like you, I just look at him and think yep that, that like you know I know quality when I see it it's it's a bit like um you know when um someone's behind you. And you can't see them and you haven't seen them and you haven't heard them, but you know, they're behind you. You just get that sixth sense when you're, when you're an adult, like you just get that feel of there's someone behind me. It's, it's kind of the same when you see a top quality player, you just think, yeah, he's, he's quality. There's, there's just no doubt, um, in that. And it's just now it's, now it's down to us and it's down to the coach to get the absolute best out of him.
1: I have to admit, I turned around just to look, um, (laughs) Yeah, look, you know, the the thing I will say is you just saw he came on the pitch within two minutes of being on the pitch. The first thing he does is he collects the ball in the middle and bursts past the guy with a a change of pace and a quick dribble and he glides by him and he picks up a yellow card and he he's got to be a nightmare to play against and. Once the end product comes, I, I think there'll be no stopping it, so I'm not too worried about it. Um, I think we can leave it there. Are you expecting just more of the same this weekend, a sort of structureless track meet that hopefully results in Arsenal outscoring Villa?
2: <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, um, yeah, but I, I, I am kind of confident that we'll be able to master that against Villa. And, you know,
1: I I know I'm a fanboy, so I'm just going to lean into it. When you have Aubameyang on the pitch, there's always a chance. I mean, I know he's, he squandered a tap in again tonight i mean that's in his locker but it's because he's always on the end of moves when you see him pick the ball up when he takes a shot from the edge of the area when he glides onto the end of the moves he's he's just different gravy isn't he
2: yeah yeah absolutely and um you know it's weird isn't it i I still think that he's underrated and underappreciated (laughs) 15 goals Um, in 15 games yeah 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 and in a team that's you know, by all accounts, by pretty much everyone's account is just a bit of a mess at the moment. And during those 15 games has not been in good form at all. But, you know, on the left wing up front, he's just sticking the ball in the net again and again. And um, yeah, maybe maybe it's kind of I've often compared him to Aguero. And, you know, it took it took years of Aguero doing that before people went, he, he's quite good, isn't he? Like it took <laughs> at least like five seasons for people to notice that he was just actually absolutely habitually scoring 25, 30 goals a season. And and so, you know, maybe I don't know if Aubameyang will be around long enough to be properly appreciated. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of better strikers in the Premier League. And uh, it, I, I think he's in the company with... With Aguero and uh, Liverpool's front three any day of the week.
1: If you can keep pace goal-scoring-wise with Man City's Sergio Aguero when you're at Arsenal going through yep. what we've been going through, that says a lot. Uh, anyway, Tim's on Twitter. Stoberto, thanks, bud. My pleasure as always. Great to have you back and Tim will be on again in the future if you've been looking out for it by the way some travel logs from Tim on Patreon of videos and pictures of his trips to the away games and, and I'm sure some from the home games will come as well so definitely a cool feature you can check out there. We uh, we we always say this at the end of the podcast but I, I do just want to express how much we really appreciate you guys for listening and, and after the Watford pod there was a lot of really positive constructive feedback and I think at a time when it's easy for people to treat each other poorly I think Uh, As listeners, as contributors, as people who engage a lot on social media and stuff, it it was really nice to see that the debate was handled with with class and grace and equanimity and all the things that I do not typically display on the podcast. So I appreciate you for doing that. In any case, we love you. Uh, We'll take a break, and we'll come back and talk to you after Arsenal 10, Villanil.